Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Good morning. So nice to see some people in person and um, to see you online as well. Um, It's just so good to be here today. And even in our mistakes, we have grace and we have fun. And um, yeah, this is kind of what Romans 3 is about. Um, So for those of you that don't know, we're doing a series on Romans at the moment. We started it last week with Phil. If you haven't seen it, I really invite you to go back and watch Phil did such a great job of describing and introducing um, what Romans is. And it really helped me. I might even quote you, Phil. Um, So (laughs) thank you very much for just helping me to write the sermon as well. Um, So yes, if if you can, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans 3. Um, And the verse that I'm going to use to preach on, which kind of is the nutshell verse that you you might already know, is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace that came through the the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. Bit of a mouthful. Um, And... Earlier this week, I think on Friday, I went down to the river to meet a friend. Um, he's not a Christian. And we were sitting by, by the river, really nice, having a beer. And I was telling him that I had to preach on Sunday. And he was like, oh, well, that's interesting. So do you just get to say whatever you like? Or do you have to preach on something in particular? And I was like, no, now I have a verse to, to preach on or, or a chapter. And he was like, oh, wow, so what's the chapter? And I read him this chapter for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and justify freely by his grace that came through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's like, whoa, okay, that's a bit of a mouthful. What does that actually mean? And I I advise you, if you ever have to preach, the best way (laughs) is to go to the pub, find someone that's not a Christian, and have to tell them in a few minutes what your preach actually means in layman's terms. Um, And I have Phil to thank for this as well, because he did it so well last week. But I basically said, it's an argument between two groups of, of new Christians, the Jews and the Gentiles, one, upholding the law and the values, saying this is how, how we follow Jesus. And the other saying, we don't need to follow the law and uphold the values because we already have Jesus. And the guy that's speaking to them is saying, well, you're both sinning and both do wrong for different reasons. Um, and at this point, he goes, well, that's stupid, isn't it? We're all screwed if that's the point. And I was like, exactly, you got the first bit. Right, we are all screwed. <laughs> Um, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the beauty of Christianity is it's not about who is doing right and wrong. It's about a relationship with Jesus. God came to give us relationship and life to the full. And he's like, oh, wow, okay. So there you have it. If you want to switch off now, you're welcome. That's the breach. Um, But what I really want to do today is go into more detail of just what those two types of arguments are, what the sin looks like. And I think sin is such a hard word in our day and age. I think we grew up in generations, our parents grew up in generations where sin equals you're a bad person and and it reflects on who we are as a person. And that's really hard. And if you pick up Romans 3 and you just read it, just browse through, you'll kind of come across these verses that 
are actually really hard to stomach and really hard to swallow. Like here it says, no one is righteous, not, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And if you're not careful, you can read it very quickly as, oh, great, so I'm worthless, I'm not any good, I'm not this. But he doesn't say that, he says nobody does good. And I think that's something to carry with us. Um, I'm just going to put this down. <laughs> uh, um, through this sermon. And basically, as, as I said, it's, it's about these two people that come from two different sides of the argument. And the sin of the Jews was putting their faith in the law and not in their fathers, the perfectionists. Um, I find it ironic today that we're doing service on, on perfection and we see <laughs> things don't go right all the time. Another good lesson to learn. Um, and yeah, so we get with the Jews, worshipping the law and not the law, the perfectionists. And you can see where they come from. They come from a world where they are set apart, where God set them apart to do this law. We see in Psalm 19.7, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. We see in Matthew 5.48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And you can see just from that and the laws that they had to do, just, just that kind of vision for perfection. And... God is perfect, don't get me wrong, but we, we are not perfect as human beings. And I think what Paul was saying to the Jews at this time is your perfection, you putting it on yourselves, is, is a sin against who God is. And recently in our Kintsugi, um, which is a hope and well-being group um, we're running with the church, uh, we did a module on perfectionism. And I just want to read what it says about it, because it's actually, I think, really revealing to this this the sin of perfectionism that we're talking about. And it says, the advantage of perfectionism is healthy and a natural optimism that keeps us working and developing our personal optimism. But the opposite, the sinning part, is where a person is only able to feel they have achieved if they have everything perfect, which can cause fear, hesitation, and neurotic behavior, all good things that we, we don't want to have. Um, and our ability to have a positive balance is actually linked to our childhood, where we've learned coping mechanisms and where our self-esteem has been set. And like we have a stress bucket, you might have heard people talking about it, we also have emotional tanks that need to be filled. And to fill the tanks as a child, we need to know and experience regular levels of security, self-worth and significance. And how these tanks are filled as a child impacts how we live our lives as adults and our attitude to perfectionism. So, for example, if we believed we were only love if we were good or were reporting on a great test and told to do better next time, our tanks would never be able to be full. And perfectionists, in many cases, are adults still trying to meet their parents' expectations. In summary, perfectionists are just people who want to be accepted and loved. But that comes across very differently. And the trouble with perfectionism is, is fine until something goes wrong, until we fail. And as we've witnessed today, just even technical difficulties with every part of life, there's always something that's going to go wrong. We're never going to be able to live up to that, that perfection. And the Jews were taught this again and again in, in the Old Testament. We see just 
things happening, you know, them getting chased out of Egypt, God having to come in and rescue them and knowing who God is. And then they get back to living again as normal and living by the law and relying on that law instead of relying on God. And when God came and they were like, well, God, we're hungry, we're starving in the desert, give us something. He gave, he gave them manna. And they had that every day until they started to get bored. And they're like, this, this is boring. We, we want something more. We want, we want different. And they turned to the gods again. And I think this is what happens with, with perfectionism. And I'm going to sum this up better more by talking a story about um, myself when I was younger. I didn't know I was a perfectionist. A lot of people won't know that about me now. I'm more of a procrastinator. I'm late. I, I I, Elias is probably more of the perfectionist in our family. But... When we did this module, I realized I, I'm a perfectionist. And why, how did I realize that? Because one of the symptoms is self-sabotage. And this is me to a T. If I, things can't go perfect, I might as well sabotage them before, before it goes wrong. Um, and I grew up, as some of you might know my testimony, in a Christian household. My dad was a vicar. Um, they have very strong values. And we were also a highly competitive family. Um, of high achievers, my older siblings were very clever, would often kind of compete against each other, who's in the highest, who got the highest grade and this kind of thing. And, and somewhere inside of me as a child, I interpret this as this is, this is what my parents want, this is what they're looking for. And I always remember Steve saying, children are the biggest sponges, but they're the worst interpreters. And this is something to remember with this. We can often assume things as children um, and we don't ask, we don't know how to question them, and they become just roots of, of who we are in, inside. And so I grew up thinking this is the way to get love, but I couldn't compete I, I didn't, if I didn't get the best grades. And I, I wasn't just a perfectionist, I wanted to be the best, I wanted to be the favourite, I wanted to get the very best. And quite soon I realised this wasn't possible all the time, so I started to cover it up instead. I stopped I made excuses for not doing work. I get ill before a test. I do anything not to even fail a tiny bit. And, and it just dragged me down until it got to the cusp of being at my A-levels. And I remember walking out because I hadn't done enough work. And the irony is I walked out because I didn't want to fail the exam. Um, because I, yeah, I didn't want to fail. And, and yet failure was the only choice I had. And so after that, I think... I went into the other side of the camp, more to the Gentiles' way of, okay, well, if I can't live up to being perfection, I can't live up to these laws, what's the point in them? And seeing them from a different way, I might as well just take any expectation off me and do, do whatever I want. And I did. And I had a great time, I'm not going to lie. I drank, I smoked, I, I got into drugs for a while. And it was, it was great, I had a boyfriend, you know, and I was like, oh, do you know what, this, this way of the world is, is quite suited to me. Like, I'm having fun, I've got good friends around me, I'm quite happy with it. I don't need anything else. And, and again, that goes, that, that goes well for a while until something bad happens. And because of my roots, because inside I was still this perfectionist, I was still looking for this great love. I was looking for something to fill that. All the things that I'd used to fill it, including this, this guy, weren't, weren't good enough. They weren't what God had planned for me. And I think so often that happens, doesn't it? We try and fill it with with something we try and fill this hole inside us and if you're a perfectionist you try and do everything right and if you're on the other side then you're like okay I'll just let it go but you're still striving for this love and that's that's what happened to me 
So again, we, we all fall short of the glory of God. Neither way is right. Both ways ended up hurting me and damaging me and causing more damage in my, uh, in my life, in my career, in my family. Um, and I still didn't really understand who God was until it came crashing down, until he met me when I was almost to a su- suicidal point and just turned around and showed me how much he loved me. And it wasn't about what I had done. It wasn't about what I should be doing. It was just about his love for me. And he, it felt like he picked me up and he took me out and he put me where I was meant to be in Africa. And I remember for so long as a child, I, I had shied away from wanting to be a Christian, wanting to give my life to God because I thought it came at a price. I thought it was boring. I thought I had to do what God wanted me to do. And I thought that was go to church every Sunday, be a good person, just be boring. I don't know why I thought it was so boring, but it just seemed boring to me. I think when you have a taste of the other side of life as well, and you see all the fun and everything, you're like, do you know what? That's, that's, that's more fun. Um, and the only analogy I have for this, I'm going to call this the parable of the two mums. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot this morning. So is just like the Gentiles and the Jews, you have two types of family. In one family, you have a mum that wants her kids to do everything right, have the, the best vegetables, do their homework on time, and puts them to a high standard. So this is the way they believe they're loved. And this is the way they grow up. And while they're healthy, they're fit, they get good grades, they're always living with this pressure over them. In the other family, you have the mum that lets the kids do what, what they want. What do you want for dinner tonight? I want a cheeseburger. They have a cheeseburger every single night. And they end up getting obese at a, a young age. And then this is when God comes in, or the super nanny comes in. That's, that's another name for God. And the super nanny says, okay, to the, to the mum feeding the kids the vegetables and everything, do you know the pressure you're putting on them? Do you know this, uh, that how little self-worth or significance they have if all they think is that they have to please you and achieve to you? And to the other mum, she says, do you realise you're not loving your kids? You're inside, you're slowly killing them by giving them exactly what they want. And instead of saying to the mum, the cheeseburger kids, oh, okay, now you've got to eat cabbage every day and you've got to do this and then that, that will be your life better. She does something amazing. This is actually an actual episode of Super Nanny, by the way. <laughs> I'm not going to claim it as my own. She takes the kids to a grocery store and she says to them, choose whatever you like. And she teaches them about how, how it's good to be healthy, how, how they want to look after their bodies, how they want to be the best and, you know, grow up big and strong. And the kids get really excited. They run around the grocery store and they're picking up all these fruits that they've never had before and choosing what they like. And they get to make dinner with, with the mum. And they're showing the mum. And the mum's like, wow, how come you'd never eat this for me? And, and she's like, because you didn't give them, you didn't show them what was good for them. You didn't give them the reason why. They needed to know the reason why. And sadly, it usually comes at morbid obesity. It doesn't come when everything's okay and you're young and you're slim and whatever. It comes afterwards. It's that horrible realization, oh my goodness, I've left it too late. And this is who God is. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to take us out into the world that he has planned for us and have this amazing store full of options. And I realize this, as soon as you realize the love of God, it's it's not that you have to do what he says to be a good person. It's he wants to, you to be the person he is in you. Um, and uh, John 15 explains this really well. And I think it's going to come up on the screen. 
It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And I love that it's a two-way street. It's a relationship. It's not just I ha- you have to do what I say. It's remain in me as I remain in you. Let me show you who you really are with me inside you. And I was amazed when I gave my life to God, just how he did that and how he, he, did, he had listened to me, how he does love me, how he wants me to have the greatest desires of my heart. And he was there. He was there when I was a child and he saw my love of art and play and, and not really any other work. Just, I just love making art and playing. That's, that's what I like to do as a kid. He saw me as a teenager when inside my heart, I didn't ever share this dream with anyone. I wanted to be a psychotherapist, but I knew I didn't have the right grades and I knew I couldn't do the work at the time. And he saw me in my 20s when I was sitting at the pub with my friends and saying, oh, my ideal guy would be Latino and a few years older than me. He saw everything. He saw everything. (laughs) But the thing is, if I hadn't remained in him, if I hadn't given my life to him, if I hadn't gone to Africa to become a missionary because I felt that's what he was calling to me, I would never have gone to Bible college. If I had never gone to Bible college, there is no way me and Elias would ever have met in a thousand years. Like he, he lived in Argentina. He only came to go to Bible college. And if I hadn't gone and done that degree, I would never be able to do my master's and become an art psychotherapist. And God knew that from day one. He knew what he had for me. He knew the good fruit that he had for me and what happens when I remained in him. And without that, I wouldn't have happened. I could have had a normal, probably a boring life, to be honest. I wouldn't have lived in a different country. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And I certainly wouldn't have had the same fulfillment I have by living my life in Jesus Christ. And that's the love he has for us today. And I think we have to be careful. We always have to be careful because it's so easy to fall back to these habits. It's so easy to forget that God has the best plan for us. It's so easy when things go wrong to say, do you know what? I'm going to do it my way. I know you've got me, God, anyway. I know you love me, whatever. But I think my way's a bit better. And we do it without realizing or it's so easy to put the perfection of, I have to do this, I have to do that. And we see it so much, you can read the Bible and be like, I'm, oh, I've done something wrong, I can't believe this, I'm a bad Christian, you know, and beat yourself up. But that too is sinning, because you're not allowing the self-worth and the love and the acceptance and the significance that God has in store for you. And I just want us today to, to rest in that. It's so simple. I always think, why do I always end up preaching the same thing? And I realize it's because it's the freaking gospel. <laughs> this is the gospel. And, and this, this is the gospel of the Lord, the grace that he has for us, the life that he has for us, life to live life to, to the full, the love that he has for us. He wants to fill us. And I really believe um, there's some healing to be done today. 
And we're going to go back into worship and just have some time. And maybe this is a good time to just ask God where he wants to heal you. So let's, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you that you, you have our backs, that you are the super nanny that comes in and changes things, Father. And we just ask for healing, changing in our minds of the way that we see the gospel, Father, that we see you. We thank you that you are faithful, Lord. We thank you that you never let us go and you finish what you started. And Lord, if there's pruning that needs to be done today, we just ask you to come and chop off those branches. If you have fruit for us somewhere else, then reveal it to us, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.